Hello, everybody. Today, we have a guest artist, Owen Rival, who's here to talk about how to shoot your own reference photos. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't afford an art class, we've got everything you need here, Art Prof, critiques, tutorials, and professional development. Now, Owen, you and I go way back. Tell everybody <laughs> what we're looking at here in this photo. We're looking at the pre-college class from, I believe it was 2015. I was in Clara's design class. Uh, that is me with the frosted tips. And it, it was my first time in a serious art class. So Clara knew me from the very beginning. And you weren't even planning on going to art school at this point. Uh, no, I, I was thinking of going into architecture. Uh, I wasn't going to apply to RISD, but it was Clara who pushed me to really go for it. <laughs> really go for it. Uh, and the, yeah. This is a piece you did in high school. And I think it's always fun for us to see where people begin, how they grow and develop, because you did this in high school, then you went to RISD and you've been out for a very short period of time. What's it like looking at this drawing from high school? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it's a blast from the past. Good to see that I've made some progress. I think it's easy to uh, think that you you haven't really developed at all, but seeing this, it's uh, I, I feel good. And then later, Owen, you and I worked together over one summer for pre-college, you were my teaching assistant. And that was just so much fun to work with you on the other side of the fence. So we know each other very well. And I have a very proud mama bear moment, seeing all the things that you've done. And it's just, oh, our teacher's dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. I, I couldn't have done it without your all your help throughout the years. So let's start in art school because this stream is about how to shoot reference photos. And yet in most of art school, you were deliberately trying to not use reference photos. Can you explain why? Sure. So while I was in art school, I had a specific professor who really pushed trying to create scenes from imagination. Uh, he really focused on, you know, value construction and how to really understand things three-dimensionally to make your own images. So while I was in school and training, I would not necessarily shoot like one reference image and work from that. Instead, I would create a composition and then collect uh, maybe hundreds of different references to uh, put all together into this image right here. And this was the first drawing I did that uh, really, I feel like, encapsulated my goals uh, in terms of this art making style. And this is a pencil drawing, correct? Yes, yeah, it's a uh, pencil. And then this is a real milestone painting for you. But the thing is, it's not a milestone in that it established your current workflow. In some ways, it's what stimulated your workflow because it's what you didn't end up doing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yes, exactly. So for me, this was really my capstone painting. I spent 
four months on it. It's six feet by four feet. Uh, it, it was essentially a painting about my experience at summer camp. I again kind of created a composition and just slaved away at this thing, you know, working area by area until it was completed. Uh, there were many crying nights, uh, but it was, uh, <laughs> it was, it was, it was rewarding in the end. And, and I think it taught me a lot about myself as a painter. The thing is, it's not that you didn't use references for this painting, because we can see here, obviously it's a constructed space, but we do have here this mishmash of photos, but were these, actually, those are pictures of you. Isn't this you? Yes, yeah. So I, I would use myself uh, and my wife for reference all of the time. Uh, I, I would pretty much take photos of myself in the poses. And since there were children in the previous painting, I would find photos of children online and then kind of like Photoshop their heads onto my poses. So if you see the blonde kid <laughs> in the basketball jersey, and myself right underneath, uh, that kind of is like an example of that where the blonde kid's head, but it's my pose underneath there. So it's a lot of almost collage. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. And then this is, I would assume the digital sketch for the composition to figure out all the nuances. Yes, exactly. Uh, I would say this is, probably one of the hardest parts of drawing and creating from imagination and the part that I would, you know, I would spend like two weeks just developing this sketch and making sure it made some sort of a sense just so that moving forward, I had a good structure to go off of. It's interesting because you did shoot your own reference photos here and yet compared to what we're going to look at, with what you do now, this just seems so much like you're just barely scratching the surface <laughs> as far as what you could do with reference photos. What's it like looking at these old ones now? Definitely is me being like, I was really late, not lazy, but just really in a rush. Like I was like, I don't have time to do these references. I'm just gonna shoot them on my iPad and use them and go from there. I didn't want to bother any of my friends to like help me shoot reference photos. So it was very much like front facing camera, uh, you know, kind of like that. It is very common that when I will suggest to people, listen, I think you should try shooting your own photos. People will say, I don't have the time. And yet sometimes not taking the time to shoot the reference photo makes your life so much more difficult and you end up struggling so much that it's like you wasted more time not taking the time to shoot the reference photos. Did you discover that early on? Definitely, yeah. It was actually my wife that suggested to me after I got out of college, oh, maybe we should start trying to shoot your reference photos and make them a lot more accurate to what your painting's gonna be like. And I was like, oh my goodness, you're right. That like that we should do that. And uh, it really, really made a huge difference. Ginger would like to know how long did it take you to make this? Uh, so this painting took me four months to make in total. 
And while I was developing it, I used a kind of a glaze technique. Um, and now we end up with this gigantic piece. So did your professor like it? Um, he told me that it was a big milestone. He said that he could critique it all day, but I should feel proud about it. Uh, and that's kind of how I feel. There's some things I would want to change, but I, I, you know, I couldn't have made it better. I put all the time I could. Great. And by the way, we want to say a thank you to Amanda Norris. Thank you so much for the super chat. Amanda says, best part of my Sunday routine. Woo. Keep Thank those you, super chats coming, everybody. We need your support. The whole reason we can get Owen on the stream is because you help us keep this up and running. So if you want more fabulous guest artists like Owen, keep those donations coming in. And then you crossed over into the real world and your practice is so different now. So if some of you want to go check out Owen's work on Instagram, links are in the YouTube video description below. You have solo shows coming up very, very soon in a couple of months. And you're like a different artist now. And it blows my mind that this happened in such a short period of time. So talk about why did you decide to go all out? on reference photos? Because I would guess taking the reference photos for you is almost as time consuming as the painting part. Yes, definitely. Um, it, it's it's a huge, huge kind of time commitment and sometimes it can take uh, days. I would say that the biggest shift was definitely like my wife just kind of pointing out to me that, you know, I was realizing that if I draw and paint from a reference photo, it takes me about half the amount of time it would for me to create something from my imagination. So I figured, like Clara said, if I put in that time up front uh, and just take really good reference photos, it will um, it, it will end in actually a shorter process to complete the painting. So that's kind of what pushed me in that in that direction. Sentian says, I think another good underlying takeaway here is accepting help from others and not thinking we have to do everything ourselves all the time. Yes, because your wife is an integral part of this process, correct? Definitely, yeah. My wife helps me take most of these photos. She's very good at using a camera. I can show her a thumbnail because obviously it's me in a lot of these. So I can show her a thumbnail and she'll understand what I want. Uh, so shout out to her. She's she's great. And that to me almost sounds like a collaboration because she's not just casually coming in and snapping a couple photos like we ask <laughs> our friends to do here or there. It sounds like she almost helps you interpret your thumbnails into the reference photo. Is that somewhat correct? Definitely, yeah. Um, we we have a really solid collaborative chat, um, and it's you know I was very scared at first to kind of invite someone into my practice and and let them have an influence over me, but you know it's really changed my work for the better. So, did it take a while to settle into a workflow with her? 
I think so. Yeah. I, I feel like at first I was a lot more controlling and a little bit more like, okay, it should be like this and this and this and this, but now it feels a lot more collaborative. Like she goes, oh, maybe we should move this here or this would look better here. And I'm like, oh, actually that's a really good point. So. Amanda says that cool background and the warmth in the foreground, beautiful. Well, we can see from your images, there is quite a bit of extremely saturated lighting. And how did you arrive at that? Because your initial paintings from RISD did not have these incredible turquoise highlights. Sure, we can see tints of that in real life but you've souped it up a thousand percent how did you stumble upon that idea for lighting your figures yeah so for me personally i watched the tv show euphoria and i noticed that in a lot of film uh but that show in specific they use colors to tell kind of and heighten the emotions of a story and personally i found that really appealing with painting that if a figure was kind of draped in blue light sitting in a chair, it told a completely different story than if that figure was draped with red light. And so that kind of contrast and storytelling really became appealing for me in the practice. I'm really glad you brought up film because actually I'm watching The Sandman on Netflix right now. If anybody's seen it, you know that one episode where they're at the diner and there's all these neon lights and everything. I don't know if you've seen that, but anyway, it, may, it immediately when I was watching that episode, I was like, oh my gosh, this looks like Owen's painting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Ginger says, love the lighting. Do you set up the lights when you take the photos as well? Yes, I do. Um, I use kind of these specific RGB lights uh, that we'll get into a little later, but I do set up the color specific lights. I don't invent the colors for my head. I think in a lot of ways, when you take the time to premeditate those decisions, I I'm not trying to minimize your painting process, but doesn't it make the painting process just seem so straightforward by comparison? Definitely. It, I know a lot of artists struggle with the question of like, when is this finished? Whereas I feel like if you can give yourself a good roadmap, you know what the destination is, or at least you have some idea of what it is. So, I don't know if any of you have seen Norman Rockwell's reference photos, but he was so meticulous about getting exactly the right pose. He would put blocks of wood underneath the shoes to get the foot at just the right angle. Do you find yourself being that meticulous or are you a little more spontaneous about the actual setup? Because in this painting, you've got all these props on the bed. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I'm incredibly meticulous when it comes to where each thing is. I think that placing different elements around a painting will help heighten the narrative and the storytelling. And the more you can shift a figure into a certain position or give it a certain feeling, uh, the more it kind of heightens a work. I will say though, I actually have more of a tendency to be like to neglect details, uh, which is kind of funny looking at the work. So I, I kind of have to push myself sometimes 
when I've been taking a reference photo for three or four hours to be like, okay, no, like we need to keep going and keep shooting this because it's not there yet. I mean, it almost sounds like you're staging a movie set and you're yeah. the producer. <laughs> Does it feel that way? Definitely, yeah. It, it feels like I'm, yeah, like honestly, it feels more like I'm a film director and I just happen to paint the stills <laughs> than it does uh, like, you know, that painter in a traditional way, I guess. Maria's asking any advice for someone who wants to get into taking their own reference photos for these kinds of paintings. I would say one of the biggest things is investing in a tripod and some sort of lights that you can use to manipulate it. Even if you just wanna shoot it on your phone, I know they sell these Bluetooth clickers that are pretty cheap. So that way you can, you don't have to tap your phone to shoot it. Just getting some sort of studio equipment. So you're not like putting your phone on your desk on top of a book and like putting a piece of tape <laughs> behind it. Like you want it, you, you want it to be like a little bit professional. I know it can be expensive, but that's why I recommend. Well, the thing is, I'm constantly surprised by how good phones are now. They were not that great a couple of years ago, but I rarely use my DSLR now. And yet you use your DSLR all the time. Yes. Um, so because my paintings are lit sometimes pretty darkly, uh, you can get the ISO to a point where it can capture that kind of intense dark light using a DSLR, which I find my phone will sometimes like auto-correct it and capture the colors in a way that I, I, I don't really want to. Um, so yeah, that's why I stick with the DSLR. It's all about control. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that's what it is? One yes. control free to another? Yes, for sure. Uh, just finding a way to like, you know, the more I can manipulate something, the better. So, but yeah. I oftentimes hesitate to tell people to buy equipment because it is expensive. But the thing is, it is an investment. You're not going to buy these lights every year. And so why do you use this particular light? What does it do for your process? Yes. Yeah, so I, uh, when I first purchased lights, I bought one of these lights and one, I think it was like $25 lights and they weren't very good. I immediately regretted buying the $25 lights because they broke super quickly and they didn't have the color range that these have. These lights can turn into pretty much any color you want. It can be a super saturated purple. It can be a more muted like pink they really have the full gamut and they're they're about a hundred dollars which i know that's a lot of money but the use you can get out of them is crazy and and you can attach like soft boxes to them i've made like i made one out of a pop tart box once and i put a piece of paper in front of it um so they've got a lot of use uh, which is good Lighting really is an art form. I don't think people realize this. And it sounds like the lighting is 80% of the process for you in a way. Yes. Because lighting is not just the type of light, the color, but as Seven Angelic says, positioning and such. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because the stuff with tripods, it sounds easy, but it's not. 
Yeah. So I would say in terms of positioning, it all depends on where and how I want the light to be hitting me. I know that if the light is coming from below, it tells a completely different story than from when the light is coming from above. In terms of positioning with a tripod, I will often have to move a tripod around for a very long time before I get it in a place where I'm like, okay, this feels good. Uh, and represents what I want it to. So just be patient. That's probably my biggest piece of advice, and you'll you'll get there. Well, I like what you said about the position of the light influencing the narrative you want to create. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, here we have some reference photos that uh, my wife took of me based off of the sketch from the slide before. This, uh, this was for a painting about being in a laundromat in Houston, Texas. Uh, it is so hot in Houston, Texas, and the laundromat had no air conditioning in it. And with all those machines running, I felt like I was melting. So I wanted to make a painting about that. Um, and my idea was that the machines themselves would actually start to warp almost like there was a heat wave that was kind of pushing through everything and even though the machines are really cold and sterile with that blue color the figure in the front looks like they're almost on fire in comparison because of how orange they are now tell us what's happening here because obviously we saw the thumbnail and then we have the three reference photos, but you don't stop there. <laughs> There's a whole manipulation <laughs> process beyond that. Yeah. So typically no one reference photo is really like it for me. I, I will typically take the reference photos. I'll manipulate them. I'll twist them and kind of almost, yeah, like collage them on top of each other. I'll use uh, liquify on procreate to kind of like move around certain elements. And this is a very rough sketch. So this is not even necessarily something I'll use as an exact reference in the future, but just to give me an idea of what I want. So this really is more you almost brainstorming in procreate. Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's like figuring out like, you know, going from the thumbnail stays, the reference phase to this is, yeah, it's figuring out, okay, this needs to be a painting now, what makes the most sense and what's going to tell the best story? Well, this is a great question from AA who says, do you still do thumbnails when you have pretty precise reference photos? Yeah, because you would think you've got these stellar reference photos, thumbnails, they'll take care of themselves. Is that true? <laughs> Um, I would say that I still do thumbnails there and you'll see uh, they're very crude and simple. I, I don't like to work on a thumbnail drawing for more than two minutes. Uh, and it's just how I think because I was trained as an illustrator. I think that's kind of how I come up with ideas is these small thumbnails. And then after I have the references, I start to go from there. And then here we have the final piece. And so the thing yes. is, it doesn't just go reference photos painting. <laughs> like there's actually <laughs> so much that happens in between the reference photo and the painting. And I think that is the stage people just skip over. Definitely. Yeah. I think 
you you gotta play around with them see what see what looks the best and at the end of the day you know if it made sense as a photograph i would just keep it as a photograph like i i for myself i have to go how do i justify this being a painting instead of just a photo well the thing about the reference photos is yes they are absolutely critical but the way i view them they are raw materials because i was surprised looking at this because i'd seen the final painting which is here and I just assumed, oh, this is one shot because it's two figures in the same bed. This is probably just one photo, but it wasn't. Why did you have <laughs> to shoot each of you separately? Um, so a big part of it is the fact that we only have two of us and we've tried using timers and Bluetooth remotes, but we do find that when there is someone behind the camera controlling it, it really does make a difference. And at the same time, shooting the two figures separately gives me more of an opportunity to move and manipulate them. Because I have myself separately, I, I know what my leg looks like if I want to push it back a little bit or bring it forward. And same thing with the photo of my wife. Uh, and again, here, this is kind of the super rough like sketch uh, of what I wanted it to, uh, to look like. My idea here was kind of that maybe it would be like this infinite bed that felt like uh, there was no ending to it. And the kind of main figure, me, uh, I was struggling with insomnia at the time, even though he was really tired, there was this super stark, cool blue light in this otherwise warm environment that was keeping me awake. Well, how do you come up with these scenes? Because they're all very mundane. Going to the laundromat, not being able to sleep. They're not very glamorous themes <laughs> at all. And yet I think that's what's so engaging about the work is that they are very mundane scenes, but they are so heightened to such an intense degree that it's a really amazing combination because a lot of people think oh mundane has to be painted mundane because that's what it is and yet you're creating this theatrical lighting for somebody who just can't sleep at night <laughs> i mean i don't think <laughs> it's that simple but yeah 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 um i would say for me this was kind of the uh it was the thing that really made me feel like i i had a voice as an artist through art school i feel like i didn't really know what i wanted to say i just wanted to create random images whereas and develop technique whereas now i started taking experiences from my own life that are very mundane like this one going to the dentist and trying to heighten them in a way that someone can see the painting and then the next time they do that thing they're like they almost feel it more or they notice something different and they go oh yeah that's something everyone deals with but this person kind of depicted in a way that it's interesting. The other thing is I think sometimes people get held back by thinking about their reference photos too literally. So, okay, this is a dentist scene. So a lot of people <laughs> would say, oh, but I don't have a dentist's office where I can go and pose. Yeah, that's true. But the thing is, what did you do here to simulate a dentist chair? 
Yeah, so I used a workout bench. Um, <laughs> this was shot in my basement. And we that actually that pink box in the front was like a Kate Spade box that my mom had. And so we just stacked it on top of there, foldable chairs. Uh, and yeah, everything was kind of hack shop together with enough dental stuff that I could create the rest. And, and now here, why did you get the online reference photo? So the reason I got online reference photos is for the specifics. Obviously, I don't have dental tools. I don't have access to a dentist's office, but there's plenty of photos online. And because I knew the general lighting scheme and how, you know, from my experience in college, how to match like uh, something from a different reference to fit into an environment, I was able to use these kind of isolated references to create the final image. I mean, this is where it's so tricky because sometimes you really do need exactly what you are going to paint. And other times <laughs> yes. it's like, oh yeah, that box, it's good enough. And so how do you <laughs> tell what is like, oh, I need to spend time on this versus, oh, I'll just throw a box in here. My rule of thumb is anytime it's a figure, uh, someone wearing clothing that's draped in a certain way or uh, something that is like very specific, I would say that I can kind of pull it from online and create it. So for example, like my, my wife's, you know, she's posing as the dental assistant, her hands in those gloves. I was never going to be able to create gloves that looked that specific. So it was really important to me because I actually, I forgot to include this, but we actually went back and took another reference photo in gloves because in the original photo, there's no gloves. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm noticing that a lot of your images that you take online, they're really small parts of the painting. So if we go in here, the dental tools, which are sitting on you, they're a pretty small part of the painting. And so yeah. they feel very cosmetic say compared to her gesture, the way she's seated, the way the clothing is, because oftentimes there is this pressure that people put on themselves. They say, oh, if I can't draw it from my imagination, it must mean I'm a bad artist. Have you heard that before said by people? For sure. I think it's also very common in, in the illustration community. I think people think that they need to you know, obviously there's some master artists that can draw everything from imagination, but even then it's, it's just so much better to use reference photo if you need it. It increases the quality of your work and can get you to a point that imagination can. Sentience asking, what would you say is the ratio split between time spent making the photo versus time spent painting percentage wise? That's a great question. I, I would say time spent taking the photo is like 10 to 20%. And then about at like 90 to 80 is, is painting it. Obviously, they're, they're super detailed paintings. So they still take a really long time. But uh, the, the photo part does take a long time as well. What's going on here? Because these are two reference photos. And they're only a little bit different. If everybody notices the bag... On the left-hand side is in focus. It's not as in focus here. 
here your face is a little blurry and here it's more in focus. And so why these two photos? They're so similar, almost. Yeah, definitely. So this is something, uh, again, my, my wife actually really helped me with is I noticed when we were first taking some reference photos, there would be certain parts that were a little blurry. And I was like, I need some more information. I, I don't really understand that. And so what she came up with is every time we shoot a reference, we shoot one where the foreground's in focus, then one where the middle ground's in focus, and one where the background is in focus. And what this provides me with is just options. So ultimately, I don't need to make everything in focus. But if I want to make something in focus, I, I want to have the option to do that. And so that's, that's why I do this here. And honestly, I, I recommend that everyone do this. Um, and this is, yeah, the final painting. Typically speaking, how many photos do you shoot when you get everything to go? Because that's the biggest problem I see is people will take three photos. And then I'm like, no. <laughs> how many do you shoot? <laughs> I would say like probably like 50 to 70 photos. I, I would say like just from like the initial like okay we're starting this photo shoot to we got it um yeah i would say 50 to 70 sometimes sometimes though it's like hundreds it really depends on the painting i think what frustrates me is when i go through all the trouble to set up everything in the lighting and then i go oh i didn't get this i need to restage have you had to do that or are you thorough <laughs> yes. enough now that you do it um i think that definitely i've gotten better at it but i i still will sometimes make mistakes it's like oh i really wanted this t-shirt and it's in the laundry and we have to move this but <laughs> yeah we do like a whole thing with costuming where like we'll try on different clothing sets and see how it looks and go from there Again, another situation where you invest that extra half an hour to take all those photos, you're going to save, what, another two hours that you have to reset up? And so a lot of this work feels like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. But isn't it such a hassle? <laughs> you have it's to go huge. back. Oh. <laughs> Definitely. And so how did you come up with this story? What's going on here? So actually at the time, um, me and my wife were getting ready to go to Houston and we had just gotten married and we just went on a quick honeymoon. So at the time we were packing what seemed every day, like it was just packing, 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 packing. Uh, and so simultaneously while this happened, I got contacted from a gallery in New York that said, hey, we want a small drawing of yours that we can put in a show. And so I had no time at it as it was, but I was like, okay, I guess all we're doing is packing. So I can create a drawing about packing. Um, and so, yeah, so this one, it, it was kind of interesting because we shot the thumbnail, uh, which was, um, I think it was a little, I think it was one slide back. Um, yeah, right there. So we shot the thumbnail and it just, it just didn't really like feel right. I think there was something about it. Maybe it was a little too close. 
And so I was like, to my wife, I was like, okay, how about you try sitting there and I'll just take a reference. And then we got that photo on the bottom left where I was like, you know, this is great. So sometimes you make a thumbnail, but the final image is a lot different than that. And that's fine. Being willing to run with those changes because oftentimes people will say, oh my gosh, I spent so long on that thumbnail, it's a waste to not use it. But actually, it's a waste to use it because it's not what you really want. And so a <laughs> yes. lot of this is really sticking to your standards and being willing to do that extra hour, knowing that it will pay off eventually. And I think this is a great example, Owen, that your work doesn't have to be that complicated subject-wise. I mean, you yes. were hacking and said, okay, I'm going to do this. And that's the thing is a lot of this is taking the time to notice what is around you. You don't have to travel to Indonesia to get a good idea. No, definitely not. I, I think that that was one of the biggest growths in my work that I realized was just exactly what you said. Everything's in front of you. There's always things to make art about. You just have to notice them. By the way, everybody, you should follow Owen on Instagram <laughs> because <laughs> not only are you staging these reference photos, but you're staging reels that show the process of the reference photo. I'm sure that's a whole other world of shooting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're hoping to have some new reels out soon, and it's so funny. Like what we're starting to do now, we're trying to like, we just did this one where we're trying to make it look like we're throwing objects at the painting, and then they magically become painted. So we kind of play around with stuff like that, uh, which is super fun. I feel like in some ways, Owen, you've become a filmmaker. Yeah, I've I've really wanted to get into it. Uh, I think that ultimately, like, if I have an opportunity to get into film, I would love to. But yeah. To me, it makes total sense. I know with reels and shorts on YouTube, a lot of artists are feeling a huge amount of pressure to integrate video into their work. And for some people, it just doesn't make sense. But I think for you, it's a very easy, well, not easy, but very, <laughs> very inherent transition into film that I think is very, very exciting. So it's a good question from Lisa. How long did it take to act naturally? Because I would imagine anybody who has directed <laughs> people on the set, I mean, I've done it a lot for Art Prof. I've had to direct people on set. And it's hard. Some people are not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would say in terms of staging my photos, it, uh, it took a little while. I actually took an acting class in college uh, and that really helped me uh, just learning like how to pose, like what feels unnatural, like how to move energy around so it, it makes more sense. But it, it, it took a little while and often, like honestly, when we take the photos, I start off pretty stiff. And the first photos we take, I'm pretty like, you know, it's like, oh, smile and have a conversation. And I'm like, how you doing? Like, whereas later on, you know, I'll just get more into it. I think it's a great example that nothing in our lives is irrelevant. 
to our studio practice. I'm sure when you took that acting class, you weren't thinking, oh, when I graduate, this is going to come in handy when I'm shooting reference books. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. You're a busy person. You've got some solo exhibitions coming up. Tell us about this one in Italy. Yeah, so it's going to be with this gallery called Monty 8. It's opening on March 12th. I'm hoping to finish up all the work for it later this month. Uh, it's my first solo exhibition with this gallery. I, I did a group show with them over the summer, and I'm really excited. So if you are in, I believe it's in Rome, you should check it out. If you happen to be strolling around in Rome, <laughs> yes. you can wander into Owen's gallery exhibition. And of course, if you want to read more about Owen, you can go to his website, follow him on Instagram. And remember, this Google Slideshow is available. The link is in the YouTube video description below. And you can access all of our slideshows and our live streams on artprof.org. Please join me in the Discord. I will be in post-live streams hanging out and chatting because I'm sure some of you have more questions. And there are many ways you can support ArtProf. You know what? You can sponsor a video. We have a wish list of videos. You can propose a video. In fact, we have somebody who sponsored a live stream. It's an extra one towards the end of December. Mia and I are going to be creating styrofoam cup sculptures. And this is so wonderful. This live stream is sponsored by Pickle the Pug. So I am so grateful to Pickle the Pug for sponsoring this content. If you want us to do more live streams, think about sponsoring a video. You can also purchase an artist call. This is a way for you to interact with our staff, get customized advice about work you need help with. Those of you who are applying for MFAs and BFAs, we also have artist doc editing services. And thank you so much to our top Patreon supporters. You are incredibly important. You're the reason why Owen's here. If none of you supported us, Owen would not be here. So remember how much your contribution directly impacts our programming. Although, guys, I'm really sad. We went down a lot this week. <laughs> like, really sad. I'm like, usually it's like $20, $30. But this week we went down 137 So I'm really sad. Please think about supporting us. You get lots of perks. You get critiques from me in the Discord. All kinds of fun things. Art Prof has a podcast. It's available on Spotify and also on iTunes. Subscribe to our channel for more art tutorials, critiques, and business tips. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye.